Hello, Ucomedia family. Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 13 of the Ucomedia podcast, where I serve our Ucomedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Lucas England. Lucas is a filmmaker and photographer from Sweden. He works in a live music business, touring and working with bands such as Parkway Drive, Architects, and Good Charlotte. Lucas made his name in the alternative music scene as one of the most up-and-coming content creators. Lucas, welcome to the show. And before I forget, happy belated birthday. I hope it was a good one. Thank you very much, buddy. An honor to be on the podcast with you. Thank you. Uh, it was a decent birthday. I was on like two flights, dry sandwich, but then I got <laughs> home, got real food with my family. How old are you? Is it? I don't know if it's uh, inappropriate to ask, but I figured I'd ask anyway. I'm 26 now. Oh, you're young, man. See, I'm, I turned yeah, 31 I in April, so... 26, nice. dude. You got you got all kinds of uh, you have all kinds of time. Now, I failed to mention in our uh, in my intro that you're also a part of a pretty popular band called Normandy. You have thousands of followers and millions of views on YouTube. That's pretty impressive, if you ask me. I actually saw on Wikipedia, which is you know Wikipedia, credible source, right? That you guys <laughs> opened up for uh, Yellow Card back like in 2016. I think it was their farewell tour. And I see that you will be playing at the Leeds Festival this August 24th through the 26th. Which is pretty cool because the roster is very impressive. You will be uh, sharing the stage with some very popular bands like Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy, Kendrick Lamar, The Used, and many others. I mean, that's a huge deal. Congratulations, man! How how did that come about? Thank you very much. That's like definitely a bucket list thing. I went there 2011 with some of my friends to watch loads of bands because they always have such a good lineup. So it's kind of unreal to be one of the bands playing there. How do you describe your music to someone who never heard of Normandy before? Wow, uh, it, I think it sounds like the the normal metalcore band stopped screaming. <laughs> like there's loads of bands doing that right now, and we are one of them. Like we played heavier music even before I was in the band, but now we're like getting a bit more poppy, but still keeping the heavy heavy grounds. When did you join the band? What year? Uh, last summer, actually. How did that come about? How do you join us a band like that? Like, do you is there like a, a, an interview process? What do you do? Uh, we've been friends for like I don't know four or five years or something. So I've been working with them before. I've been making like music videos and taking their promo photos and stuff like that. And then when they like regrouped their lineup uh, two years ago, they asked me, but I was in another band and I had too much other stuff to do. So I had to say no and I knew I was going to regret it. And then I actually got a second chance and I took it right away. Now, speaking of music videos, you've done so much work for all kinds of bands. Like, what's it like working with, like, Good Charlotte and all those bands? Like, what's, uh, like, how do you even get into something like that? Is it because of who you know and who you know, who knows you? Like, where do you even start? I have no idea. I just, like, started to make music videos for small, like, skate punk bands in Sweden. And then I just climbed the ladder, I guess. And people tell other people and they see it on Instagram and stuff like that. Do you get to know these people? Like when you're around Good Charlotte, I, I guess, you know, being a cameraman for them, do you get close enough to them to where you get to hang out with them, get to know them? That's super different from time to time. When, like, I'm, if I'm touring with a band, I get way closer to them, like, personally, than if I'm just shooting one show, then I maybe don't even meet the band. So that's, that differs from time to time. What are some well-known bands that you toured with? Uh, I think the biggest one is probably Parkway Drive. They're really big in the metal genre, and they're putting out a new record in four days. 
Oh wow. That's pretty exciting. And they're in the they're in the USA right now. So I've been doing two Europe tours with them and I'm going out with them this summer as well. How does it work? So are you guys all in one bus or I mean, when you travel, what, what do you guys stay? So you have like hotel rooms or do you stay on the bus? I'm curious, how does that work? On European tours, it's mainly nightliner bus with bunk beds. And on the bigger tours, there's one bus for the crew and one for the band when there's like a really big crew with a big production. But on the last one, we had just one bus for everybody. How do you manage, I guess, being on tour with other bands at the same time being on tour on with your own band? Like, do you think at some point you will stop tour either or, like the band or being a cameraman for others? Yeah, I mean, that day will probably come, and I'm I'm a little bit afraid of it, but at the same time, it's kind of like luxury problem. <laughs> but so far, it's working out great. I mean, playing in a touring band, you pretty much need to be like a freelancer or have a have a work where you can take free time a lot. So at this time it works good, but I had, when I shot the Good Charlotte show in London, we were actually on tour with my band. And oh, wow. I had to oh. I had to leave them for one show. So they played without me in uh, in Berlin. And then I flew back. Oh, wow. So they were okay with it. I really appreciate my band members for supporting my work. So what are some other challenges being on tour on both, I guess, both sides as a creative working for somebody else and being on tour with your own band? What are some challenges that you have to face? Uh, I think the biggest challenges is to like find time to actually get work done uh, when I'm with my band to like get get my work done as I'm not just taking vacation from, from uh, a full-time job or something like that. So you have to just nail the deadlines anyway and it's kind of hard if you're in a van with seven other people and it's a bumpy road and stuff like that and then most of the days are pretty hectic so it's hard to find time to to get work done i know we were talking earlier and you mentioned something about uh you know you went through this really dark point in your life where you got addicted to drugs how how did that come about and what did you do to overcome that yeah that was a that was a tough time uh i got a amazing job at a streetwear company in Sweden so I got full time there and I was really happy about it because then I didn't have to like do freelance jobs that I actually didn't enjoy I just could take on the the funny stuff but the thing was that I I really didn't stop doing freelance things on full time so I like kept both jobs at the same time while being in the band at the same time as well and you know there's there's loads of stuff you can take in the world to make your days easier and i found i found one of them that like it made me i didn't have to sleep as much uh i was always like happy about doing everything even if it was like the the worst project i was working on i was still enjoying it uh, i think that was like the antidepressant thing in that one and from the beginning like it's it's marketed as non-addictive by like medics and stuff, but that so I thought I found the the key to life, but <laughs> I definitely didn't, and it was one hell of a thing to go off, and I tried loads of times, but uh, like it didn't really happen. I just kept on doing it because I knew that I was gonna feel shit for like one month or something, and you never really find time to take that one month off from work 
So it just kept going and like I had to take more and more to get the same effect. And by the end, I was like on such high doses that was that could be deadly for anybody. And I pretty much didn't even feel anything. I just had to have it in my body to to actually be a working machine. How long did that last? How long did you do? I guess uh, what was uh, at what point did you say you know enough is enough? I gotta I gotta work on this. Uh, that was last summer, and I think I've been on that drug for like two years by then. And the thing with that one, it's called tramadol, and it's like a really, really big problem in all of like Europe and United States as well. A lot of people get it like from from the doctors, and they don't know about the risks at all, as it's marketed as non-addictive. And the thing is that you don't notice if you're on that drug, you're totally normal. You can't like see anything about it, except that you're like extra, extra kind to people. You're like just really easy to, to go with. I think it was last winter. I decided to take a break from like, from all the freelance stuff so I can actually quit the drugs. And I said like the only, only thing that could stop me from this break is like if there's a really really big band asking me to go on tour or something and that happened that was when Parkway Drive asked me for the first time hmm. so I was, I was in the decision to either like say no to, to the tour and take care of myself instead or just keep on popping the pills and do the tour instead so I did what did you what did you learn from this experience I learned that you gotta listen to your body and you can't be everywhere on like all the time that you actually have to say no to stuff and i learned that now but i've been so bad at saying no i don't want to miss opportunities every time there's a job coming and i say yes even like before checking the schedule so you mainly say yes because you want to you don't want to miss out on opportunities now have you gotten better at saying no no <laughs> <laughs> see that's a struggle I'm the same way I, it's so hard to say no especially working for yourself you don't know you don't know when it's gonna when there's gonna be a dry season and so it's so easy to just overbook yourself but man it brings so much stress and anxiety and bef- and you know another thing is that your work suffers like the more people you book the the less uh, I guess time you have to work on improving your craft and then just you just Get into so you're not very happy with yourself. You're not happy with the work you put out. And in the end, it's like you don't please anyone. And at the end, you just kind of end up like you, you know, in your case, on drugs or on very unhappy. Yeah, exactly. That was the same thing for me as well. I just like I fucked up deadlines and I had to work more to afford like all the drugs. I spent loads of money on it, but so that was just a bad circle. I worked more to get money for drugs and I did more drugs to be able to work more. <laughs> and yeah, definitely the biggest thing is to like listen to yourself if it's worth it. But I've always been really bad at saying no. Like you you can just like see this scenario in front of you if another guy gets that particular job and like that leads to another thing and to even bigger things and you don't want to miss out on that chance 
but sometimes you like just had to say no. No, I totally understand. And I feel like sometimes you can't afford to say no. But if you get to the point where you can, I mean, I believe in less is more quality over quantity. And I would much rather get one project, bigger project, but, you know, not overbook myself with all these little projects because those little things, man. And I've learned that people that pay less, they'll work you more than people that pay more. So if yeah. you can afford to wait longer and get more quality projects, that's always better. But man, that is, I haven't found a good way to deal with any of that. How do you deal with stress nowadays? Um, that's a really good question. I've been trying now, like, as I told you earlier, to work out more and like try some yoga and stuff. But I think the best thing that I've found is to go out fishing, like oh. turn off the cell phone, and maybe bring a friend or two just be in a boat all day and enjoy the nature and like fish it sounds cliche but it's like really good to just turn everything off man it's so hard to unplug yourself you come home and well i, I work from home now so technically work never leaves me and you're always thinking about that next step you want to make sure that you don't miss an opportunity like some, an idea comes to your mind you want to make sure you capture it because you know that if you don't in the next five minutes, it's going to be gone. And you, you know, in my case, I'm with my kids. So it's, it's like this constant battle. Like you got to learn to really detach yourself from everything. And I think fishing, man, that's a great, because you're just in the middle of nowhere fishing. So there's nothing really, especially if you, if you don't have any phone reception or internet, that would be a, that'd be something good to do. I need to, I need to look into that. Yeah, it's really good. It feels like better when you come back to the computer as well. But I'm in, in the same position as you. Like it's you're you're turning off the computer for a day, but then you just wait. Like go straight to the phone instead. You're always like connected. And same thing there. You don't want to miss out on things. You don't want to miss out on opportunities and like stuff like that. Yeah, I learned that the balance is so important. Like in the mornings now, I get up and I go for a four or five mile run just because like at the end of the day after work, I feel like, man, I haven't been outside. I haven't done anything for myself. And this like this guilt, shame, condemnation cycle, like every single day you just go through this guilt, shame, like, oh man, I haven't done anything for myself. I haven't, I'm not improving my health. I'm not improving my family life. So I, I just, I learned to schedule stuff in, man. If it's not on the calendar, dude, it will never happen. So now I just, because like even with this interview, like I knew it was coming up on Monday. So I have no excuse but to do it. It's on the calendar. It's set in stone. So that's it. Do you have anything like that going? Yeah, I'm trying to be more scheduled. I've always been like, always been bad at scheduling stuff. And I've been a really good at procrastinating oh, dude, like, that's, that's one of my skills man i'm a great yeah same here it's horrible like i'm still struggling with it. it some some days you just like at the end of the day you're like i haven't done anything today i've only been on youtube oh, and like, you. scrolling around stuff now speaking of youtube what are some of the youtube channels that you follow i don't actually i'm a really bad youtuber i don't follow that much people I don't even think I have like a dedicated YouTube account that I use. I'm mainly logged in by the band or something. But I I watched John Olson. He put up daily vlogs, and that's another another video type that you get a little depressed about because he's living the dream and all that, you know. And I can't get how he actually puts out daily videos and how he get he get really good stuff done and it's quality content and he puts it out every day. Now does he have a team? Is it just him? 
Uh, he got another guy called Benjamin, who's really good at filmmaking, and I think he does m- most of the edits. But I mean, if I go on tour and we put out a video every second day in like two or three weeks, I'm exhausted when I get home. And he's been doing that for like every day for two years now. Wow, that's impressive. I wouldn't be able. But to then do again, you have to like have stuff happening, and that's another thing that he does. He always has stuff happening, like riding cars and surfing snowboarding but is there such thing as as doing too much like at some point it just consumes your life so much to where does he have a life really yeah that's another thing i've been thinking about i mean he lives by his vlog i guess he have to do stuff to get his vlog running but at the same time it's his work and i really think he enjoys it but i think there's lots of people just trying too hard to like show up their life to be good so they're focusing more on showing up a good side than actually enjoying life but i think john olson is pretty happy with his position right now <laughs> now you you know you're 26 years old you've been at it for a while what, what's some advice would you give to someone starting out someone much younger than you well um i think one of the things that i learned a lot from is to not be like too greedy and like about payment of course you have to get paid but in the beginning as the at least the filmmaking business is there's so much people doing it right now and the community is getting so big it's super easy to learn stuff on youtube and there's so many good cameras for not that big of a price but i think that's one of the ways that i actually got where I am today I started to do tours for free for bands because I thought either I go on this tour for free or I stay home and I'd rather do a tour for free than yeah just staying home and working with other stuff that actually pays me and at the end it pays off because you will have you will get those jobs that will pay you good but you have to you have to take those shitty jobs in the beginning some of the more boring stuff as well just to keep it running no I totally agree with that now do you have a system how you price your work no I think that's like my the the thing I'm really bad at is pricing my own work I actually got an offer like two weeks ago where a company asked me how much I wanted to to make a little video for them and I had my idea about how much I was going to charge them but then I asked another guy in the business, and he said like the double amount that I was thinking of. So I went for his advice and told the company that amount that he told me, and they got it right away. Wow! So That's if I had asked him, I would like be happy with half the price. Wow! So that's when I got a little reality check. I was like, "Fuck, I'm I'm not. I should charge more for my work." But I think I'm I'm a bit like destroyed about the music industry because bands don't really have money nowadays you have to work with really big artists to actually get the same payment as you get from company stuff and doing corporate stuff at what point does a band start making money i'm curious because you're in a band like how big do you need to be before you can start making decent amount of money and doing it full-time wow uh i mean show-wise I would guess if you have if you play in front of like maybe thousand two thousand cap venues, I think that's when you actually get a 
couple of bucks when you get home from the tour. But in the position we are, we just invest all the income in the band. If we like sell merch for a thousand euros, we spend those thousand euros on more merch. And same with like getting money from tours and stuff. We just getting into equipment or stuff like that. So at our on our size, we don't make any money. And there's loads of bands in our size, and they all need videos. And I mean, most of the bands pay way more for recording the the music than the video showing the music but that's that's just the business i guess so there's there's not much money to to get in the music industry why is it so much harder to uh, make money these days is it because of i guess youtube where people could just easily look up your songs and listen to them so the sales are not i guess as high as they were back in the day is that why like what's what's happening yeah. to the industry I think that's definitely one of the points, but at the same time, the streaming sites are getting like so big and I mean, yeah, this, the streaming thing is definitely one of the points, but then as I told you, there's so many filmmakers right now and I've been getting loads of bands asking me for like how much I charge for a video and then they told me like, oh yeah, we're, we're getting back to you. And then you see, they're just like putting out a video that they made with a friend instead, because it's pretty easy to make a music video nowadays. And the gap between the really skilled ones and the beginners are so small because of all like presets and right. stuff like that. So loads of the bands just, they're happy with a decent video that they can get for a way lower price. Now let's say let's say I'm in high school right now or or college and I'm and I want to get into doing music videos for big bands. What one step can I take to get closer to that dream? I'll say go to as much local shows as you can and pretty much just do your work and show it for the bands. I did that a couple of times. I just went to shows. I pretty much paid my ticket, took my camera went there, shot the show, and then sent the photos to the band. And if they liked it, they would probably reach out to me next time they were in my city and maybe pay me to shoot the show. So, and you got to have a lot, lot of experience to, for like live music stuff. It's, it's a tricky, tricky thing to shoot, and it always relies on how good the lightning is and stuff like that. But if you if you really want to get into it, try to contact bands and see if they need some work done. And as I said earlier, I I really don't want to recommend it. But if you really want to have jobs, just reach out to band and offer yourself to do something for free, and they will definitely pay you if they're happy anyway. I'm curious, have you ever had anything where, I guess, you were filming a show and things just went completely wrong for you? Do you have an experience like that where it didn't work out how you wanted it to work out? And what do you do when something like that happens? Yeah, I had, actually I had one of those this, yeah, it was this Saturday. I shot a show far up north in Sweden. It was like a hip-hop show with loads of different artists collaborating and stuff like that. And there was so much smoke at the stage 
that I couldn't see like pretty much anything <laughs> and there was no front light so it was only like silhouettes on stage That's so okay. yeah and at some shows you have like 10 things that you want to tell the lightning technician to change but if you tell those 10 things he will probably don't care at all and just be angry at you so you have to pick the the most the things you really want to change so i just told him to like please could you cut the smoke for a few songs and he did and it saved my night so i could get some decent footage and i think that's if you're on a tour where you don't have a lightning technician, that's a really common problem because lightning technicians, they, they do their work for the audience and not for your camera. So yeah, that's, that's a really big problem. But then I've been on a lot of shows where it's so sweaty that you pretty much can't shoot the show because the lens is all fogged up. And I think the main solution to that is just to bring the camera into the venue before it gets sweaty, just for it to like have an easy transition. But sometimes I've been going from the bus into the venue and you're screwed. You can't like you, you can take one picture and then you have to rub the shirt on the lens, take another picture. And yeah, that's that's been the biggest problem for me, I guess. Like sweaty shows, fogged up lenses. See, and that's you can only learn that from experience. So I guess your advice: exactly. getting out there to local shows and start now, while from small shows yeah. while, while the pressure is low, and then slowly, I guess you will you will get to the point to where you're very comfortable and you know exactly what to do. Yeah, definitely. And it's like shooting live shows are really stressful. And I think one of the main things for me to actually get work is because I'm doing both videos and stills and like for a band to actually afford a photographer is pretty big if the band is not really big and for them to afford one videographer and one photographer is pretty much impossible so that's been a good thing for me to shoot both stills and videos and but that's when the shows are getting even more stressful like you're doing two persons yeah exactly you're doing two jobs but I have this slow motion feature on my camera where it shoots like eight seconds, then it buffers with 20 seconds. So I'm waiting for the moment, pushing the record button. And when the camera like buffers in the footage, I take the stills camera, shoot a few photos. And that's, that's experience things as well. I was shitty at it in the beginning. And then I feel but, like your camera breaks, so you always have to have a backup, right? I'm sure you probably have like couple cameras with you yeah i guess my stills camera is my backup for video yeah it, it can shoot video as well but it's not as good as the dedicated video camera but i haven't had any actual problems with that i think i don't think i had any camera like actually failing on me well, knock on wood. I'll, I'll knock for you. <laughs> Same here. So I hope it never happens. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for your time. One last question, man. What are you most excited about today? I have loads of paperwork in front of me, so the things I'm most excited about is to get that done. And I think, yeah, playing some bass, that was like, that was a long time ago. I just sat down, jammed by myself. And that's, that's another thing to just get away from all the stress and cope with that, just to play music mm, great escape huh so if you, have, if you haven't played any instrument yet you should it's never too late pick up a guitar and go to YouTube 
Man, I, I see. I tried to learn piano for such a long time, and dude, I think I learned like one or two Coldplay songs that I play all the time. It was like I think it was the Clocks did it, they did it, they did it. That song, and uh, nice Trouble. Maybe I tried learning that a little bit, like just the intros. And you know, my my family they're tired of it. They're like, oh my gosh, can you stop playing the same thing over <laughs> and over and over? I'm like, well, it's all I know. Well, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I guess Instagram is the easiest way. I haven't had a proper show really in a couple of years and my website is really not up to date. So Instagram is the easiest way. It's Lucas England. Lucas with a C, England as England, but with a U. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lucas, hey, man, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lucas England. I appreciate Lucas coming on the podcast. I'm sure it was a challenge not speaking in his native language. So huge thank you to Lucas. He did a great job. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoy what I have been doing. I don't ask for a lot, but please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is you get your podcast. It will only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the podcast. And my goal is to try to share this great content with as many people as possible. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available on our website at euchromedia.com slash 13. Stay tuned for our expressions course. We're almost done. You can go to euchromedia.com slash expressions for more updates. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have almost 2,000 people in this group. It's a great online resource for those of you trying to learn and grow. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Euchromedia podcast. Bye-bye.